leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. The Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron. For three for the win. Yes! LeBron James! And rings were handed out like him. Here's Jordan. It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay, and this week I've got a very special guest. He's a fellow Sports Business Classroom alum. He's also a regular on the program, and uh, this will actually be the second annual episode where we do our League Pass rankings, but the guest this week is Evan Dial. Evan, thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure. The League Pass Rankings podcast is my favorite thing in the world, so happy to do it. Yeah, so uh, for those of you that didn't get to hear our uh, our episode last year, essentially uh, what the League Pass Rankings are is we're going to be ranking all 30 NBA teams from 30 to 1, based on essentially watchability, and that can be any number of factors, whether that's you know how good the team is, star power, style of play, the broadcast crew, and also just the aesthetics, whether that's jerseys or court design and whatnot. Um, so uh, we're essentially uh, you know ranking these teams and how excited we are to uh, get to see them in the upcoming 2019-20 NBA season. So, Evan, without further ado, let's hear who you have at your number 30 spot. So the team I'm least looking forward to watching this year is the Washington Wizards. Okay, yes, I have uh, I have Washington pretty low myself. Yeah, there's just there's nothing going on here. Obviously, they have Bradley Beal, who I actually do love watching, and he's awesome. But I hate a star player just wasting away on a terrible team. And I just can't wait till they trade him and face reality. And besides him, there's nothing. There's not even like a good young player I'm excited about. I didn't even like their first round pick this year. I'm not even a big Scott Brooks fan. They're just like an organization in total disarray. Like, I don't even know who's like going to be playing for them. They're going to just be like so abysmal with no hope. I 
I have no positives, honestly. So that's they're my last. Yeah, so uh, I actually have uh, Washington at 28, so I'm right there with you. And, and yes, the, the prospect of, of them actually trading Bradley Beal and then whatever this team would be is, uh, is not enticing. Uh, but I will say that, uh, you know, in their defense a little bit, you know, they traded for Davis Pertans, who should make them a little bit more watchable. Uh, he's a fun guy that uh, might even start at the four for them. I, I'm not sure at this stage. Thomas Bryant is a is a young center that at least is fun to watch on the offensive end of the floor, uh, and and yeah, Bradley Beal is enough of a star. You know, I had him in in my top thirty uh, players in the NBA that he gives them at least something uh, something interesting to see. But yeah, they're they're definitely low. And yeah, if they were to ever trade Beal, it would uh, it would become easily the, the the worst team to watch in the NBA. Yeah, I honestly hope they do at least just like start a rebuild and hopefully get like an exciting young player in return or some or draft picks. Because as much as I love Beal, I just I hate watching him on this team. Right, and he's still young and and essentially in his prime. So yeah, it would be fun to see him traded to a team that actually is is competing now. Uh, but uh, to my number thirty is uh, and. And I know, uh, Evan, you're not going to be too happy about this because, uh, again, uh, uh, you're, you're a Charlotte Hornets fan, but uh, I have the Hornets at number 30. And uh, I will say uh, I had them way too low last year on the list. I had them at 29, and, and by the end of the season, I was feeling pretty bad about that because Kemba alone uh, should have had them at least in the mid to low 20s. But, but this year, without Kemba, uh, Terry Rozier to me is not an exciting guy to watch. There's there's not a lot of you, you know you were expressing concerns about uh, some of the the Wizards young players and not having anyone that exciting. I feel pretty similarly about the Hornets. Uh, the only guy that uh, you know I I'm somewhat intrigued by is Miles Bridges, but outside of him, who is there? Yeah, I, I won't argue with you this year. I have them pretty low. They're at 28 for me. And they're my team, which is sad. Uh, yeah, the offseason was a disaster. Losing Kemba and, you know, basically for nothing and not being able to trade him when we had the chance. Overpaid for Rozier, who I agree is just an average player at best. I didn't even like our first-round pick this year, P.J. Washington. I think he's eh. And I, I would agree if there's one young guy who does give me some hope, it is Bridges. But uh, we're, we'll obviously be terrible. Like, there's there's no way around it. All you can hope for is that they just play hard and the young guys pop a little more. You know, Monk, Bacon, those guys can at least show something and some upside. But it's, it's no doubt, even in the East, it'll, it'll be very rough. Yeah, they, uh, they they do have a good broadcast crew. I will give them that. Um, but uh, oh, love my guy Eric Collins. Yes. Uh, so uh, that at least provides a little bit of something. And again, you're probably going to be watching most of them because, as you stated, they are your team. So uh, I still will anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, moving on now, uh, Evan, who do you have at uh, at number twenty nine? My 29th team is from your neck of the woods, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Okay. Uh, yeah. Again, obviously they're rebuilding, but still not to look forward to. 
like Washington. They have a player I just want them to trade in Kevin Love. It's still kind of a weird team and just like there are too many at one position and not enough at another. Sexton at least showed a little flash uh, late as a scorer, even though I saw some questions about him. Then they drafted the Garland kid, who's another point guard, so I'm curious to see if that can work or show anything. Uh, Larry Nance is very solid, like at least he's, but besides that, there's just like, they're awful. I mean, there's, and there's no like, oh, I can't wait to see this guy kind of player. Yeah, they, uh, they are, they are certainly my pick to be the, the worst record in the NBA. They're not going to be good on the floor, but... Uh, yeah, you know, you mentioned a few of the guys, Sexton and uh, and Garland in the backcourt. They're going to be atrocious defensively, but I think they'll actually be somewhat fun to watch on the offensive end. And and they're they're two guys that I, uh, especially Garland, I believe in in his upside. Um, and then you know they also have a couple other first round picks that are somewhat intriguing. Dylan Windler, who they took twenty seventh, he's a guy that showed some flashes in summer league in terms of being just a a really good pure shooter with crazy range. Uh, and then also uh, Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, didn't get to see him in summer league, but he's another guy that I think a lot of people really like. Yeah, they, they do have some intriguing young guys, and they have a new coach. Uh, what's it, the guy from Michigan? Uh, Beeline. Beeline, yes, yes, that's his name. So, I mean, I do think, especially maybe offensively, they could show some spunk, but as you said, though. I mean, last year, I think they actually were, like, one of the worst defensive teams ever. And I think that will just continue. But hopefully, you know, the Garland, you know, they show a little flash. But overall, it's going to be bad. Yeah, I have I have the Cavs at number 27, so just a couple of spots ahead of you. One thing I did want to mention, though, it was it was so unfortunate to hear the news of, uh, of Fred McLeod, their, their longtime television uh, play-by-play guy, passed away this offseason. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was a guy that I never had the pleasure of meeting, but I heard a, a ton of people around the league say that he was just such a, a generous, uh, warm man. And, and say what you want about his, his broadcasting style, he was a guy that brought so much energy and enthusiasm to every broadcast. Absolutely. Legend. They're going to replace him this season with, uh, with John Michael, who's been the longtime radio guy, uh, for, for the Cavaliers, uh, he he replaced uh, the the uh, the legend that was Joe Tate uh, as the as the the Cavs radio play by play. So he'll step into the TV role. He's another guy that I think will bring that uh, that enthusiasm that uh, that Fred did, and uh, will will join up with with Austin Carr on that crew. But just thought I would uh, I would mention that. Moving on to to my number twenty nine, and uh, I have the the New York Knicks. Ah uh, yes, <laughs> the Knickerbockers. Yes, so so this was one that was there's a bit of a disconnect because I love the broadcast crew. Mike Breen and, and Walt Clyde Frazier are excellent. Clyde is uh, is poetry in motion as far as uh, as a as a color man. Uh, and then also you know Madison Square Garden is a gorgeous basketball court. It's a beautiful thing to see. Uh, so you have that side of things, but then the actual basketball product is going to be absolutely terrible. Yeah, the Knicks, I have them a little higher. They're at 25 for me, but not much. It's just like, 
normal if they were a normal team, they have some young pieces that are intriguing. Like Mitchell Robinson's good. Like he should be even better. They drafted RJ Barrett, who I like, and you know, they have Knox and I'm not even out on Dennis Smith, but they just like had such a weird off season signing a million power forwards and who don't even really fit their timeline and they're gonna have tough, you know, figuring out minutes for everyone and lineups. So could they win 30 games instead of 20 this year? Sure, maybe. But I just hope they, you know, at least the young guy shows more promise and they commit to them more and who knows, maybe start selling off the veterans like Taj Gibson at the deadline for second-round picks and stuff. Yeah, they're, they're a team to me that feels very much like they're going to be uh, you know, worse than the sum of their parts. You know, they brought in, as you mentioned, they brought in a bunch of power forwards. They brought in some veteran players uh, in the likes of, uh, as you just said, Taj Gibson, Marcus Morris, Julius Randle, Wayne Ellington. Um, yeah, Bobby Portis. Uh, right. Uh, a bunch of guys that are definitely, like, solid, you know, rotation caliber players. But they still don't have the, the go-to guy. And, and obviously, Knicks fans, I imagine, are hoping that Barrett eventually becomes that guy. But he certainly, I don't expect him to be that as a rookie. Uh, so this is a team with, like, you know, yeah, uh, some decent rotation players. But no one that I would say, okay, this guy is the, is the one that's going to carry this team. Or even be kind of the crunch time guy. Right, they, it's a team with you know a bunch of decent rotation players and at positions that overlap and create log jams. So I'm really curious. I'm actually interested to see what Fizdale does in terms of rotations and lineups, but I agree most of the time it will not work. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I agree with you though that Mitchell Robinson is certainly exciting. They do have some. Some, some intriguing young players, and, and even Frank Tilakina with his performance in the World Cup for France, he looked pretty yeah. good there. Uh, I'm interested to see how he uh, how he develops. Yeah, if they even play him. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which they haven't been. Free Frank. Yes, I, I completely agree. So uh, moving on now, you had, let's see, you had Charlotte at 28. Uh, who did I you have at, uh, at, at 27? The Minnesota Timberwolves. Okay, so you're a lot lower on Minnesota than I am. Uh, it, more in watchability in terms of, I actually think they could be a decent team. But here's the thing, and I love Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, dude is a scoring machine and just gets buckets. Josh Okogie's an interesting second-year player, especially defensively. Uh, Covington was in the race for Defensive Player of the Year, really good player before he got hurt. But besides that, kind of like the Knicks, it's just a bunch of decent role players. Like they signed in the offs, like Napier, Trevion Graham, Jake Lehman. And in the West, that's not going to cut it, and they're just they're going to just lose. I feel like they'll be the team that'll be in a lot of games, but just lose. And also, I, I'm done with Andrew Wiggins. I'm done. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm done with Wiggins as well, but it actually feels like this roster might be set up to actually be able to, to limit Wiggins' minutes and roll a little bit this year with, as you mentioned, Covington, Akogi, and also their, uh, their first-round pick, Jarrett Culver. 
they've they've got enough, and and you also mentioned Travion Graham. They've got enough wings now where maybe Wiggins doesn't have to play 35 minutes a game if he's playing as horribly as he did last season. Um, and and the other thing that I'm very excited about this year, and it's felt like every year of Carl Anthony Towns' career was going to be the year where he really broke out as like a borderline top 10 level player. And, and I have a feeling that this year is finally the year. You know, there's no Jimmy Butler there. Uh, everybody in that organization has been talking up that this is Carl Anthony Towns' team. We're going to give him the ball. And, and frankly, when, uh, you know, the, the thing that's been frustrating about watching him, uh, watching this team over the years is just, you know, Carl Anthony Towns spending too much time just spacing the floor and not getting the basketball when he's clearly the most efficient player on the team. I agree. I have no doubt that he'll dominate, and he could average absurd numbers this year. I just don't think elites are winning. And the question for them going forward is how long can they keep him happy before he's the next star that wants out on a losing team? That that worries me, but I'm not sure he's that kind of guy, but lo- losing can add up. Yeah, the, the other reason I'm a little higher on Minnesota is their broadcast crew of Dave Benz and Jim Peterson. They they might be, uh, you know, probably top three in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, they are They are pretty entertaining. I love their uniforms, too, I must say. All right, so, uh, yeah, you had uh, Minnesota at 27. I had the, the Cavaliers. Who do you have at the 26 spot? The good old Phoenix Suns. Okay. Uh... I actually sneakily liked their offseason. They finally got a point guard who is stable in Ricky Rubio. And obviously, he has his flaws, especially shooting, but he can at least settle them in on offense and get people involved as he's a great passer. Devin Booker, look, he doesn't play defense, but that dude is one of the best shooters in the game and on any night can explode. Uh, in the moment, they finally got, there are some things to like. Bridges is a decent wing, and uh, Aiden in his second year. But now it's another head coach, and it just, they have nothing to trust. <laughs> I know they will find ways to mess this up, and they're in the West, and they're just, they have so much building to do, and they're just so far away, even if there's some intriguing parts. And they, of course, did dumb off-season things. They got rid of T.J. Warren for nothing. and I don't know. There's there's a couple things I like. It just, it's not enough is the best way I can put it. Yeah, I um, I guess I'll say I, I liked their off-season from a league pass ranking perspective. I think what they did yeah. is going to make them more fun to watch. Yeah, just having a competent point guard in Rubio is going to uh, is going to definitely help in terms of the the on court product, but I don't love the the overpay there. Uh, and then also their draft pick Cam Johnson seemed to be quite a reach at number eleven, but uh, just right. a guy that uh, is going to space the floor is going to make uh, your your offensive game look a little bit better. It's going to make things easier for for Booker and Aiton. Uh, so and you know you look at a guy like Aaron Baines, he's going to come off the bench and and provide some. Some solid backup center play that and and will improve their defense. They're not such a trash fire on that end. So yeah, I I like some of their things in terms of just making them a, a little bit better basketball team. But I didn't really love anything they did in terms of the long term future of the franchise. 
Agreed. I think they got slightly better. I do, similar to Minnesota, I think they'll be in more games this year. They'll just find ways to lose them at the end. And they also got my boy, Frank Kaminsky. Interested to see him with a fresh start. (laughs) Yeah, I'm... uh... I am uh, I am out like you are out on Andrew Wiggins. I am out on Frank Kaminsky. That's fair. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I um, I had Phoenix a little bit higher. I had them at twenty three, and I guess one of the reasons I have them a little bit higher is their is their color man Eddie Johnson. I love him. He's uh, he's a guy that brings some good humor to every broadcast. I think he keeps it real as well. He he fully recognizes the team's been awful, and he doesn't sugarcoat it at all. Uh, he's he's really good in that role. I do like that, and they're bringing back the orange unis this year, which I like. Yes. Yeah, they um, the the court design and and the uniforms are really solid as well. But uh, moving on now to my number twenty six, I have the Memphis Grizzlies. Ah, Memphis. Okay. So obviously they've got uh, they've got some young talent that I'm very excited about. Uh, John Morant and uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, both of those guys are very intriguing. I I am pretty high on both of them. Uh, they've got some veteran talent in the likes of Valanciunas. Uh, so they're they're going to be a respectable team. I think they're going to be competing in a lot of games. I just don't think they're at the end of the day they've got that top six protected pick that they. Uh, uh, that they owe to Boston. So I, I imagine at some point we're going to see a tank fest from them, which is maybe why I have them a little bit lower, despite the fact that, again, uh, I love the young talent. Agreed. Um, I love Jaron Jackson Jr., like one of my favorite young players in the league. I think that guy's going to be really good. And I, and I like Moran, too. Um, but, yes, I do think a tank is coming. I could see them being frisky at first and then mailing it in after the all-star break kind of team. But do love their unis, do love a couple of young players, um, and I think they'll Valanciunas seems like a guy who will be could be traded again at the deadline. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see because you know Jaron Jackson Jr. I think is is probably best suited at, at the five and and Valanciunas is is going to be taking that starting spot um, and and he's good Jaron Jackson Jr. is good enough to play the four some uh, but uh, hopefully Memphis recognizes that uh, a guy that can switch protect the rim and shoot threes is is probably most valuable at that five spot. Um, but yeah, moving on now, uh, Evan, who do you have at number 25? Uh, 25, I had the Knicks that we talked about. Okay, so, so I'll mention my 25 now, and that is the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, I'm very close, but yes, they're so boring. <laughs> yeah, and they, they have a pretty terrible broadcast. Their, their broadcast is very homerific. One of the worst in terms of homerism. Yes, um, and uh, yeah, I agree. They're they're pretty boring. Uh, they they have some young talent though, uh, and it'll be interesting to see how the likes of Derek White and and Dejounte Murray, who's coming back from an ACL injury, how they fit together. Um, you know, I, uh, I I enjoy watching Lamarcus Aldridge more than most, but um, I find Demar Derozan at this stage uh, a pretty boring player to watch. Uh, yeah, they're just going to be a team that I think is going to win in the low to mid 40s. 
they're they're going to be solid on both ends of the floor and uh, yeah there, there's just not a lot of excitement I agree the one thing you touched on that I am excited about is Murray returning with Derek White and that could be a potentially lethal defensive backcourt at least it's light on shooting but defensively they could be really mean um, but besides that yeah Watching DeRozan and Aldridge shoot 5,000 mid-range jumpers a game is just not, it's not that much fun. But they're the Spurs, they'll be competitive, they'll find ways to win games. It just, it's not always the most exciting thing to watch. Yeah, for the people that complain about the, the Houston Rockets and, and their style being just a whole bunch of threes, I think watching a whole bunch of threes is, is more entertaining than a whole bunch of 18-footers. But, uh, I 1,000% agree. <laughs> but uh, let's move on now to uh, to your number 24. Uh, 24, I had Memphis, so another team we touched on. Okay, well, yeah. Um, so, again, we'll, we'll get to uh, to my 24 then, and that is the, the Indiana Pacers. Oh, wow. So my, my reasoning for this is, you know, they would be a lot higher up if Oladipo was healthy to start the season. But given that I expect him to to miss a couple of months, maybe even half the year, I can't imagine I'm going to be watching this team hardly at all without him. They're just going to be, uh, you know, a team that's really good defensively and uh, not much else that's uh, very interesting. As good as, you know, Sabonis and Turner are, I don't think those are guys on their own that I'm flipping the channel to them for. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that that's basically what it comes down to. Is uh, I'll start watching this team a lot once Oladipo comes back. That's fair on the Oladipo when he comes back, but I'm actually very fascinated with this team. And I think they're the team this year that's going to start off slow, and then once Oladipo gets way back, I think they'll finish the year hot and be like a dangerous playoff team. But I'm curious to see how Turner and Sabonis work together. Um, I love the potential once Oladipo's healthy, but Oladipo, Mal- Malcolm Brogdon backcourt. They got a little more firepower this year with TJ Warren and Jeremy Lamb. Um, I'm not saying it is all going to work, and they did lose one of my faves in Thad Young, but I... I'm curious. They they intrigue me. I will say that about Indiana. Yeah, I'm I'm down on a lot of their acquisitions. I, I agree with you that Malcolm Brogdon seems to be a perfect fit next to Oladipo. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think the loss of of Young and Bogdanovich I think is really going to hurt them. Those guys were were arguably two of their top four players last year, and I don't think you know. And, and Darren Collison was a was a good contributor. They lost Corey Joseph, a solid backup point yeah. guard. Uh, and, you know, the guys they replaced them with, the likes of Jeremy Lamb, I think Aaron Holiday might step in as the backup point guard. Uh, T.J. Warren, as you mentioned, I don't think they're going to be as good defensively. And also, I don't think they have any one guy that's as good of a number one option in Oladipo's absence as Bogdanovich was. Yeah, they kind of traded some defense for some offense this year. And um, I'm, I'm so... Miles Turner, so he, he can be frustrating, but I thought he took a big step last year, and I'm wondering if he can take another one. They, I could see it going both ways with them, but I'm, I'm curious, so that's why I'll watch them. Yeah, uh, Quinn Buckner, certainly a, a solid uh, color guy for, for Indiana. He does a good job. 
so my number 23, as I mentioned earlier, was the Phoenix Suns. Who do you have in that spot? I had the Spurs, the, the boring old Spurs. Okay, so uh, my number 22 then was the uh, was the Detroit Pistons. Oh, we're so close. Okay, <laughs> you can go first on Detroit. All right, so obviously uh, love the broadcast. George Blaha is a legend. Uh, Greg Kelser does a solid job as the as the color man. You know, Blake Griffin, if he's healthy and on the floor, is really fun to watch. Um, but but outside of him, and you know, if he were to get hurt, um, you know, last season he was uh, unusually healthy. Uh, but uh, based on his history, I think he's uh, likely to miss twenty plus games, and in those games, uh, this this team is going to be a, a difficult watch to say the least. Yeah, look, Detroit's always the let's the chase the eight seed team. Yes. <laughs> I have a few teams. I have a few teams right in this area that are basically, yeah, the the chase the eight seed type teams. Yeah, and I think the Pistons are the captain of that group. Yes. Um, And I love Blake Griffin. I defended him for a long time, and I thought he was incredible last year. He stayed healthy and had a career year. I thought he was really good. But besides that, ugh. I mean, (laughs) nothing from their wings. I mean, Drummond is just, Drummond is Drummond. He comes and goes with energy and his effort level. The The guy they need something out of is take a little more of a step is Luke Kennard, and I'm just, I think he has some things that I like, but I think overall he'll be less, you know, some of the parts kind of player. I, their first round pick this year seems like a guy who is a few years away. Reggie Jackson is not good anymore. <laughs> Uh, they even in the east and yeah if Blake goes down they're done done kind of team so they're blah yeah no pun intended with George Blaha being the uh, the, the play-by-play guy <laughs> <laughs> but uh they're they're a team that I think actually did slightly improve on the edges you know I, I do think the Derrick Rose edition is a, is a good one and, and Tony Snell as well just as a guy that can space the floor and give Griffin and, and Drummond a little bit more space uh, he'll be he'll he's a solid shooter proven shooter um, and yeah they they should get some improvement from some from some young players specifically Kennard uh, but yeah, I I just don't anticipate Blake Griffin is going to stay healthy again this year, and that's really why they're they're this low. But uh, yeah, moving on now, Evan, who did you have oh, at that? One more piston thing. Yeah, they're the team. I wonder that if they start slow, will Blake Griffin trade talks come into play? And I know they gave up a bunch to get him, and it would hurt to give up soon, but it's something I could see happen. Yeah, and, and frankly, for that organization, as, as crazy as this sounds, to say that you know trading Blake Griffin might be the best thing, but trading him when his value is at his highest and he's still owed you know so much money over so many more years might be the best thing in terms of finally starting a rebuild and getting out of that chasing the eight-seed rut that they've been in. Exactly. It's their only big move. No one really wants Andre Drummond, so... Right, they may just have to wait out his contract, um, and 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 he's a guy that I think has negative watchability just because every time I watch him play, Drummond just frustrates me because you know the the size and the athleticism, the tools are all there for him to be great, and you just constantly watch him underperform, whether that's 
not being physical enough or, you know, not giving enough effort or just not having the awareness on the court. He's just constantly a frustrating watch for me. A hundred percent agree. All right, so who do you have at, uh, at, uh, at that 22 slot? The Oklahoma City Thunder. Okay, we're pretty similar. I have the Thunder at 19. So the Thunder, obviously, they went, they rebuilt this offseason. They traded Westbrook and George and got a million draft picks, which was honestly their, their get-out-of-jail-free card, and there's already rumors they're going to try to trade Steven Adams. I think they will. They may still try to trade Chris Paul, even though it'll be hard with that contract, but I still think a team like Miami will bite. But look, say say they do keep the team together, it's actually not that bad. Like, Paul Adams, Gallinari, Shy Gilders, Alexander, Roberson's coming back, Ferguson, like, it's not that bad. But there's not a lot of promise ups, even though the one thing I do love, I do love Shy. I am a Shy believer. I think he's going to be a really good young player. I hope he gets his opportunity to play points sooner rather than later because I don't like his off-ball fit with Chris Paul. Um, so with the picks, look, they can the future what they did makes sense, but for this year, I think it could be a little ugly, especially in the West. So yeah, the reason I'm a little bit higher on them is I agree. I love uh, Gilgis Alexander. I think he's a he's a fun young prospect. So they've at least got one young player that's intriguing. But uh, but yeah, I just love watching Chris Paul play, and I feel like you know the fact that he was just traded for Russell Westbrook with a couple of draft picks. I could definitely see with the competitor that CP3 is, this could be a revenge season for him to to show the NBA and the world that. You know, I'm still really damn good at basketball and, and carry this team. I would love that. Yeah, I, uh, I think that's a legitimate possibility. And as you said, the starting lineup is, is legitimate. Uh, they, they probably have one of the top 15 starting lineups in the NBA. Uh, and yeah, because the Western Conference is so very difficult, I don't see them making the playoffs. But I think they're going to be a, a decent team. They're going to they're gonna compete. They're going to be good defensively, night in, night out. Uh, yeah, they're they're just gonna be uh, they're they're gonna be interesting. And again, the the point guard play, you know, you've got Chris Paul, you've got uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, and you've got uh, Dennis Schroeder. So they've constantly got capable ball handlers. They do, and I definitely see CP3 kind of having a revenge kind of year. But I think that will in turn get his trade value up, and also I'll be shocked if he finishes the season there. Yeah, um, I the the issue there. I mean, yeah, you're right. It only takes one team, as uh, as the Blake Griffin trade to the Pistons uh, showed us. But uh, yeah, outside of Miami, I don't really see where he could possibly go. And and you're right that maybe maybe if Miami's doing well and they feel like they need just a little bit of an upgrade to to get up to another level, uh, that's certainly a possibility. And and the Heat have the salaries to to match that sort of a of a contract. They have a bunch of juicy expirings. Yes. Um, so, moving on now to uh, to my number twenty one, which is uh, another team as as we mentioned that are seems to be just constantly in that eighth seed battle, and that is the Orlando Magic. Ah, I'm higher on Orlando this year. Okay. okay. So here's my thing with Orlando. One very strong finish to the season last year. They were the second best defense down the stretch. And, you know, they obviously made the playoffs, they won one game, and then the rest didn't go so well. But it was a step in the right direction. 
Uh, Vucevic had a career year. Terrence Ross was nice off the bench. I thought Aaron Gordon played well. And I still think there's even more upside for Aaron Gordon. I, I've been a defender of his longer. I agree. The, that interests me is Jonathan Isaac in a third year, especially if he could become a capable shooter, get stronger. He's already a very switchy defender. I kind of like his game. Evan Fournier, his best years are behind him, so I don't like that. Obviously, Augustine is Augustine. You know, he, had, he had a solid year last year. Fultz is a question mark. They may not be the best. I get it in terms of watchability. They may not be the most fun, but I actually think they'll be pretty good this year. Yeah, I um, I don't necessarily think the second half of last season is an, is an indicator as to their... As to their level this year, I think they're going to be more right around the same range. I think they're they're a solid basketball team. I think they're you know Steve Clifford is a good defensive coach. Uh, they're going to be yeah. at least uh, they're going to be above average on that end of the floor. The offense is going to be a struggle yet again. But as you stated, maybe the offense can tick up a, a spot or two in the rankings just through the likes of Isaac and Gordon taking a little bit of a step forward. But, you know, they, they have some regression candidates. You know, Vucevic might not be as good this year. Um, you know, Fournier is older. And Augustine had had basically a career year last year, so he could obviously take a step back as well. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I kind of see them being kind of similar as they were last year. But, yeah, they're, they're, they're a reasonably fun basketball team. I mean, I think the fact that they're in the low 20s just shows you the state of the league and how fun this league is to watch because, yeah, I, I'm at, I, I wouldn't have any issue turning on an Orlando Magic game. For sure, and Steve Clifford, uh, I mean, I know him well as former Horns coach, is not the most exciting head coach <laughs> in terms of the, the style he plays, you know, not a lot of fast breaks, you know, protect the glass, don't foul, all that stuff. But uh, I, there's some players that intrigue me in Orlando, and I here's a, you were ready for something bold? Yes. It would not shock me if the Orlando Magic are the third seed in the East. I said it. Wow. Okay, yeah, that yeah. is that is bold. Yeah, that would take uh, that would definitely require a leap from both uh, Isaac and Gordon, and a significant one at that. Uh, but uh, but yeah, they're they're going to be an interesting team to watch. I also enjoy the broadcast crew with David Steele and Jeff Turner. Turner, of course, former player, he does a does a really good job. And and uh, you know, as far as the uh, you know the advertisements on the jerseys, which the NBA introduced a few years ago, Disney on uh, on the Orlando Magic uniforms. That's uh, basically the perfect pairing. Agreed. Love their unis. They're so they're the best. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's hear who you had at uh, at number twenty one. <laughs> twenty one. I had the Pistons. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, moving on to to number twenty, another team that I think is going to be competing at the bottom half of the uh, the Eastern Conference playoff bracket, and that is the Miami Heat. Okay, we're close here. This team intrigues me a little bit just because of the Jimmy Butler addition. Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, I, I think it definitely is an upgrade, but the fact that he's essentially replacing Josh Richardson, who is a quality starter in his own right, means that the upside here isn't that great, but I definitely think they'll be better. Jimmy Butler uh, is, you know, a top 10, 15 player in the NBA, um, and, you know, this team's going to be well coached. Eric Spolster is one of the best coaches in the league. They're going to play good defense night in, night out. Um, you know, and, and they might get a little bit more backcourt help this year if the likes of Waiters and uh, and Dragic are a little healthier. 
Yeah, so I'm close. I had Miami at 18. Okay. Uh, I like Jimmy Butler. They, they finally have a guy this year, which they haven't had in so long. So a guy who can get them a bucket when things, you know, are tough, which I think alone for them is huge. And I think it'll make other players better. Defensively, they're always nasty. They're big. Shooting's still an issue, but I thought Winslow took a nice step last year. And the thing with them, as we touched on earlier, is they have a trade waiting for them in terms of the Dragic contract, the Waiters contract, James Johnson, I think, one or two years. Uh, so they can make a move and make them more interesting. But right now, I agree. I think they're in the... I'll say I think they're like the five six range in the East. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked at that. I'd be less shocked at that than I would be at the Magic finishing third. I'll say that. That's fair. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I didn't even really factor in the uh, potential of a CP three trade in that ranking. But yeah, if they if they acquired him, I would I would probably boost them up even a few more slots. Um, but uh, yeah, I also really am a big fan of Bam Adebayo. Oh, love Bam. Can't believe I didn't mention, man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so let's hear you who you have at uh, at your number 20, Evan. Uh, the defending champions, the Toronto Raptors. Okay, so I am a lot higher on Toronto than you are. Well, here's why. I think they're a lock to sell all of their veterans. <laughs> okay, but interesting. If they kept the team together and they... They could be the four seed in the East and have a fun little second round playoff journey if they wanted to. But I don't think Masai is that kind of GM. I don't think he's a sentimental type. And I think Gasol, Lowry, and Ibaka are all gone. And they rebuild just building around Spicy P. Now, I love Spicy P maybe more than anyone in the world. <laughs> he is so much, he's so much fun to watch. Like, how could you not like watching Spicy P? Which I get. But, and I think they'll be fun in the Guinea year, but I think they'll just, I think, I just, I don't know, I have an inkling. <laughs> I have a hunch that's what, that is what they will do. And the, the second half of the year will not be pretty. Yeah, that's that's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting prediction. My, my only hesitancy with that is that for, for certain guys, especially Lowry, I would say, the only way they trade him is if they're getting a good first-round pick. You know, anything less than that, I don't know if it's worth it to trade a, uh, a guy that has been a longtime rapper and who they could potentially extend this offseason. Whereas, and you know, like Gasol, just last year, uh, all they had to trade for him was a second-round pick and DeLon Wright, who they may not have re-signed anyway. Um, so yeah, are, are they getting a first round pick for Gasol? And if it's a, if it's an offer of a second round pick, is that worth it? So that that's my big question is wh- what team is offering, you know, a really great asset for one of those guys. And if they're not getting a great asset, why get, why, uh, disrupt a, uh, a defending championship team who may still be a, a pretty high, uh, seed in the East. You know, you mentioned Orlando thinking that they might be a three seed. I would not be shocked if Toronto's as high as the two seed. I agree they kept together, but the, I think the deadline will be active this year because the first time in forever, there's a lot of teams who think they have a real chance of winning it. So if they can make one move, like if, you know, 
even Miami, to Chris Paul, if they can get Kyle Lowry, like, I think teams will be a little more aggressive. And I think Toronto will definitely listen and bite. But, who knows, if they keep the team together higher, for sure. But I just, I think there's going to be some aggressive overpays in the deadline this year. Because there's, I mean, there's probably like six or seven teams who think they have a real chance this year. Yeah, my my favorite potential trade uh, for for this upcoming season is the Clippers using the 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 one first round pick they still have left to to give to uh, to acquire Gasol and do the same thing that the Raptors did with Kawhi and, and pair Kawhi with Gasol in uh, in L.A. Ooh, I like that. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, so I do think, uh, yeah, if, if Toronto gets rid of all of their veteran players, essentially, yeah, this team wouldn't be as great to watch. But um, considering they're well up on my list, I'll save a few of my points for, for later on. Um, but uh, moving on now to, uh, so yeah, you had Toronto at your number 20. So uh, I had the, uh, we already talked about the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's who the, I had at 19. Who did you have at that spot? Also a very good team, the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, another team that I'm a lot higher on in terms of uh, watchability. And I love Giannis because he's the most physically dominant player there is, and he's just ridiculous. But I have some questions for this team, and I think they'll still be very good, but I think a little bit of a decline from 60 wins is coming. One, I think Brogdon is an underrated loss. Two, can Bledsoe top his career year last year? I think a little bit of a regression is happening there. And can the Wings, how they hit the Wesley Matthews, Kyle Korver, Sterling Brown group, how do they hold up? I think that's all interesting. Can Brooke Lopez shoot as many as career year three? I mean, there's there's some questions, and I but they're top two guys. And I love their coach. I love Budenholzer. I love Giannis. I even like Chris Middleton a lot. But And I think them and Philly are clearly the top two teams in the East. And I think Milwaukee will still be one of those. Mainly Giannis is that good to carry whatever's around. But I think there's, there's some chinks in the armor. And how they just rebound, too, from losing the way they did to Toronto. It's, I, I'm, I have some questions. Yeah, I I agree with most of your points there. I see them more in the in the mid fifties in terms of wins. And an example I've uh, given before is the idea that you know when when Bud won sixty with the Atlanta Hawks the following season they won forty eight. Uh, now obviously this Milwaukee team has uh, you know the a bona fide star in Giannis, so I don't think they're going to drop that much. But I think there is something to the fact that. In the first year that a new coach comes in, the the players are a little bit more attentive, a little bit more focused on executing. I just think they're going to be a little bit worse. And I think just because there's not going to be that team in the East that really pushes them like the Raptors did last year, that's another reason why they they might not need to get to 60. That's true. They they are in the East, and they'll they'll beat the shit out of bad teams a lot. But I guess more more... Yeah. Now, uh, one thing, Evan, though, I've got to say, which is why I'm I'm, uh, I'm shocked that you have them this low, is I don't think you're factoring in the mascot shenanigans of the Lopez brothers. <laughs> that is true. They got Rolo there now, and I'm sure there will be lots of hijinks. 
All mascots are in jeopardy. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so you had, uh, you had the, uh, the, the Milwaukee Bucks at, uh, at 19. So moving on to 18, this is where I had Minnesota. So, again, I, I was a lot higher on Minnesota, mainly just due to the, their broadcast and Carl and Anthony Towns' uh, uh, you know, offensive play. He's really fun to watch. But who do you have at, uh, at number 18? 18, I had uh, Miami. Okay, so moving right along. Now up to 17, this is where I have the Portland Trailblazers. Okay, we're close, but I like it. I, I have some concerns with Portland this year. Yeah, and I mean, I I definitely think they got worse as far as a playoff run. You know, losing Aminu and Harkless, uh, their defense on the wing is going to be a problem when they come up against those elite wings that you have to go through to make a run in the playoffs. Uh, but in the regular season, you know, I think McCollum and Lillard and, and Terry Stotts' defensive scheme, they're going to be in the mid to high 40s and wins. They are just basically every year. Uh, but... There is, there is a bit of a repetitiveness with this group. We, we've seen this team. We've seen what a, a Lillard and McCollum team can do. And we've seen what this Stotts defensive system can do. Uh, there, there just isn't, even though there are, there's a lot of turnover in terms of the role players, there's, to me there's, there's not much uh, intrigue as far as what this team is going to be like. Agreed. Um, and look, Portland has proved... <laughs> They proved me wrong last year. I didn't think they would make the playoffs, and they made the Western Conference Finals. I'm, I am every year. I am lower on the, the the Blazers than I should be, and they they outperform what I expect, and that's why this year I'm finally saying, you know what? I'm just going to assume they're going to be decent. And I think they'll definitely be decent. And uh, I think uh, my playoff prediction, I think they'll be like the seven seed. Um, but here's, and I gotta give. Lillard and McCollum a lot of credit because those guys get just a little bit better every year, and I think that's really impressive, especially for Lillard how long he plays. Uh, but here's the thing: Nurkic injury is huge, and Hassan Whiteside being able to pass once Lillard gets doubled out of a pick and roll is not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Even though Whiteside's about the best replacement they could get. Uh, I mean, just in terms of market, I mean, I'm sure he'll be a little more motivated with a fresh start, and he'll get rebounds. And But look, the the wing defense in Amino and Harkless, that's big in the West that they lost that. They got some more firepower with Bazemore and Hood, but one of those guys is going to have to play the four, which concerns me. So I think their defense is going to suffer some this year. And I think this is just like a... And I love watching Lillard and McCollum, but a slightly above average team. The Anthony, the Simmons kid does intrigue me a bit. Uh, I also wonder if they have a trade in the making. I do like Zach Collins, but they're, they're very, we know what they are. Yeah, uh, I agree with all your concerns. I, I think Collins starting at the four is a bit of a concern, not only from a spacing perspective, yes. but uh, also he's, uh, he's prone to fouling a lot. And, uh, you know, yeah. if he's consistently getting into foul trouble, I'm not sure what other fours they have on this roster. Uh, they they might have to throw out like Hazonia at the four. That's the that's the kind of li- limitations they have at that position. Uh, yeah, there there are a lot of concerns, but uh, yeah, I just I think they're going to be who they've been the last couple of years, just on the on the strength of their stars and the fact that they've got a good coach. Uh, 
but uh, yeah, moving on now, who do you have at uh, at number seventeen? Seventeen, the Brooklyn Nets. Okay, so I'm a little bit I, I I'm I'm quite a bit higher on the Nets actually. Okay, obviously, I would be a lot higher if Kevin Durant was playing this year, but he is likely not. So I I took that in fact with my rankings. And look, they were super fun last year. They had a bunch of solid young players who played really hard. Uh, I like Dinwiddie. Joe Harris is good. Jared Allen's fun. And Kyrie, even though obviously last year he brought in tons of locker room issues, obviously is solid. I mean, watching-wise, just ball-handling and shooting, he's amazing. But there's concerns... Power forward position, I want to know who's going to play there. Kuruks has some big legal issue, which troubles me. And I just, I think they're, I'm wondering, a little scared if they're that team that played really hard and caught people by surprise last year. Now people will take them seriously. Their team defense, too, especially on the glass, I think would be really problematic. I do think they'll make the playoffs in the East, but I think it'll be 7-8 range again. I agree with you that I think people are a little bit too high on them. I do think they're going to be a little bit better. I think Kyrie is going to, you know, he he just is a better offensive basketball player than uh, than D'Angelo Russell is. So he's going to make them a better offensive team. Uh, I don't even know if you mentioned Karis Levert, but having a, a healthy Levert for the whole season is going to be a big deal. But uh, yeah, you know, I think Torian Prince might get some time at the four. They have a couple other options, and even Garrett Temple, I think, uh, against uh, you know other teams that are playing small, could play some at the four. So I'm not as concerned about that hole at the four. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I do. I do agree with your concerns about the defense and the uh, the, the defensive rebounding. Um, you know, I, I don't think this team is going to be a 50 win team. I have them more in the mid 40s. Uh, but but yeah, I, I just think Dinwiddie, Irving, Lavert, Joe Harris, those guys are all really fun to watch. No, there's definitely some intriguing young talent. I'm just. I'm wondering how they put it all together, but it's definitely one I definitely could be a little, they could definitely be better. Yeah, so uh, I, I've got a couple more things I'll mention when, when we get to them on my list a little bit later. Uh, but uh, moving on now to my number 16, I have the Chicago Bulls. Wow, we have the same 16. Okay, I was I was wondering because I, I, I'm pretty sure I remember last year we had a bunch of similarities and we finally have one. Um, so, yeah, why don't you talk a little bit, Evan, about uh, about your thoughts on the Bulls? Okay, I'm low-key high on the Chicago Bulls this year, and I said it. And I know they've been a dumpster fire the past few years, but a couple good things that I like. One, once they got Otto Porter Jr. last year, they started playing sneakily pretty well, and especially Otto. He played really well. He gave them a, finally a really good solid wing who can play the three and the four. Two, they got two smart, tough vets who will just help them stabilize. Thaddeus Young, one of my favorite players, and Thomas Sadoransky, huge upgrade at the point guard position. He could get people involved, decent defender, and could shoot just well enough. Zach Levine is still a bit empty calories, but I actually thought he got better last year as a playmaker, and he got to the foul line more, which made him more efficient. And I'm a big marketing fan. He's got to stay healthy, but third years usually when players have a jump. He's a really good shooter. He's He plays pretty nasty, too. And I like Wendell Carter. He got hurt. If he comes back, 
Like, that's a solid starting five. Depth is definitely still an issue for sure. But I, it would not shock me if they're the eighth seed in the East this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty high on the Bulls as well. I, I see them in the high 30s and wins. And, yeah, in the Eastern Conference, who knows? Um, but, uh, yeah, I also like that, you know, I, I, uh, I like Kobe White. And I think he's going to be in a role that I think suits a rookie point guard where he's not expected to be a starter. He's not expected to play heavy minutes. Uh, he can learn in small stints. I think that'll be good for him. Uh, and, and yeah, a lot of they've got a lot of young talent that'll be really exciting to watch. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I completely agree about Young and Sadoransky bringing a stability and a defense to this group. Um, and, and yeah, having just having Otto Porter Jr. for the whole season is going to make a, is going to make a big difference. Markinen and Wendell Carter hopefully will be healthier and, and be able to produce at a higher level. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they're going to be a solid team. And and I don't know about you, but uh, when it when it comes down to it, especially when you're talking about the second half of the NBA season, that's when I really start to focus on more of the playoff races and the really good teams. And uh, you know, if Chicago is still there, that means I'll be watching more of them in the second half. Agreed, and I I think they will be. I think they're going to. I think they'll be better than people think this year for sure. So. Uh, we both had Chicago at the number 16 spot, so we're to the top half now of our league pass rankings. And, uh, Evan, who do you have at number 15? The Atlanta Hawks. We are the same again. Wow, okay, two in a row. Um, so I'm higher on Atlanta in terms of watchability and, turn, and then wins. Uh, down the stretch last year, they played pretty well. But they're still very young, and I actually think the year after will be the year that they really start to make a step. But the the John Collins Trey Young duo, man, they're fun to watch. I mean, Trey Young is one of the best young passers we've seen in a while. Obviously, he pulls up from ridiculous range. John Collins just gets better and better. I mean, he's a really good athlete, runs the floor, dunks everything. I really like those two, but then. The downside, they have like a bunch of blah veterans on their team, like Evan Turner and Chandler Parsons, which is yuck. Um, but her, Kevin Herter, another good young player. I thought Alex Lynn quietly had a very nice year last year. So there's some players I like to watch. They play super fast, so it's a fun pace that they play at. I just think, you know, this is a 30-35 to 35 win team, but it'll be fun. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in. I'm in full agreement with you there. And and you mentioned Evan Turner. He's going to be their backup point guard. It looks like. So this this might be a team where I watch the starters and then change the channel as soon as the bench comes on the floor. <laughs> but, That's very true. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, uh, the they're going to be they're going to be fun fun to watch as you said the style of play is uh, is really fast paced and and obviously a point guard that's a really good passer is. Uh, is is a is a joy to uh, to view. Um, the the other thing, you know, just in terms of you know, not even looking at the the roster and the basketball product, the the court design, the jerseys, and even the the I mentioned this when we did this last year, the arena organist Sir Foster. All of that adds to a a really fun experience watching it on League Pass. Agreed. One of my favorite jerseys too. Love the Reds, especially. Yes. Um, so yeah, we uh, we've agreed on a couple in a row. Let's see if we can make it three. At my number fourteen, I have the New Orleans Pelicans. Ooh, I like it. 
Um, I'm actually very high. But 14, I had Portland. All right. So, obviously, I am, uh, you know, especially at the beginning of the year, I'm going to be so excited to watch the Pelicans because Zion got hurt pretty much right away in Summer League, and, and he was the guy I wanted to watch the most there. Um, Zion Williamson, the number one pick in the draft, uh, one of the, the, the highest rated prospects in quite some time. Obviously, just him alone is going to be uh, is going to be fun to watch. Uh, but you know they've they've got a no, they've got a really exciting young core. Even if you don't even factor in Zion, you know the, all the guys they got from the Lakers and the Anthony Davis trade. Uh, you know I, I saw a video the other day of Lonzo Ball. It looked like he, it looks like he's been working on his form and uh, he's actually shooting sort of in front of his face as opposed to on the left side of his face now, which is a is a positive development. Um, you know, and, and their other draft picks, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Jackson Hayes, both of those guys looked great in Summer League. And then some of the veterans they brought in, uh, you know, in the likes of J.J. Redick, who he's one of the, the most enjoyable players to watch running off screens and shooting, running at full speed. And Drew Holiday is, uh, is a really creative, dynamic basketball player. And Derek Favors is going to shore up uh, the, the, the center position. And allow again, as as I mentioned, with the Bulls and Kobe White being in a perfect role as the backup point guard behind a veteran in Sadoransky, I think it's perfect for Jackson Hayes being behind the likes of Favors at center. You're preaching to the choir. I had the Pelicans sixth. Okay, yeah, I I, I don't blame excited. you for having them that high. I'm super excited. They're a very weird team, but I, they have so many intriguing players. One, Drew Holiday is one of my favorite players in the league and is so underrated. He's so good. And this team has some potential for some nasty defensive lineups with Holiday, Lonzo, Favors, Zion, even Ingram, who I still have some hope for. Uh, Redick will bring up some shooting, but I still have some questions shooting otherwise. But then, yeah, how? I mean, who's going to start for them? How are they going to use Zion? What he's going to look like? Uh, can Lonzo shooting hold up? Josh Hart, I I liked as a rookie, had a down year last year. I think he'll bounce back a bit this year. I think they could be flexible in their lineups. With Alvin Gentry, they'll play really fast. And, I mean, this team, I think, could be, even in the West, it would not shock me if they're the eighth seed, which is pretty impressive for a team that just drafted number one overall. Obviously, they're a little different with the Davis trade and everything and how much they got. But a lot of young players that still have upside, and if they all hit, it could be something pretty pretty special to watch. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, I would bet, you know, if we're doing this in a couple of years' time, I, I imagine they'll be in the top five at that point. Once Zion develops a little bit and, and, and all their young players develop, I think this team is, is primed to be a contender in the future, David Griffin. Uh, you know, did uh, if there's a great higher than A plus, he he accomplished that this off season with this team. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I I really like them. the The only issue for me, and maybe why I'm a little bit lower than you, is the offense. I think they they might struggle with spacing a little bit. And you know, if your team is uh, even if they play at a fast pace, I think if your team is really bad in the half court, that that makes it a little bit more of a struggle for me to watch. I mean, uh, there's a lot of players who I watch improve their jumpers, and two of the biggest this year are Alonzo and Brandon Ingram. If they become all, if they become like solid shooters, the Pelicans become a different team. If they 
don't improve or regress, there's going to be some issues. Well, I think that's the you know the big decision the Pelicans have to make is whether or not they're going to, uh, you know, re-sign a lot of the those players they got from LA. And I think you know Ingram's going to be yep. the, the the one that comes up first. And yeah, if he develops that three point shot, I think it's a no brainer they re-sign him. Whereas if he continues to struggle from there, they have to seriously consider it. Agreed. I still do have hope for Brandon Ingram, but this is this is a big year for him. Let's move on to number 13 now. And at number 13, this you might be, uh, I'm guessing you might be surprised at how low I have this team, but uh, at 13, I have the Houston Rockets. Wow. I am so different than you on this. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the, the biggest thing for me is, uh, and, and you know, I, I, I realize that I've been wrong making predictions in the past, but... I have a feeling that the, 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 the James Harden-Russell Westbrook thing is just not going to work from a fit standpoint. Uh, I, I've heard all of the news about how they're, they're getting along and, and they're with each other all the time, and maybe the chemistry will be much better than with, uh, with Harden and Paul, but the basketball fit just makes zero sense to me. Uh, this is a team that a lot of people are really high on. They see them winning. Uh, I think Nate Duncan predicted the, the Rockets to win 60 games this year. I don't see it. You know, they were second in the league in offense last year. So to me, there's not much room for improvement on that end of the floor. And defensively, uh, even if you are a Westbrook is better than, you know, even if you're in the camp of Westbrook is better than than CP3, I don't think most would say that he's better than CP3 on defense. And factoring in that they've got, you know, guys like Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker that are getting older, their backup centers are... Nene and Tyson Chandler, who are in their upper 30s. I, I can't see any way that this team is better than they were last year on defense, especially with the loss of uh, of defensive coordinator Jeff Bizdelic. So I will preface this saying, I, wait, like, I have to watch them in the beginning of the season. I just have to see how this is going to look with the Russ and Harden thing. That's why I have them at Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly agree with you. I'm definitely going to be watching them a decent amount at the beginning of the year. But once I kind of get a grasp of how Harden and Westbrook look, uh, I'm probably going to start watching other teams. That's There's a high chance that I stop watching them after a certain point. But here's the thing. I actually think they'll work in the regular season. The playoffs is where I have more concerns. But I think they'll actually play a little bit faster this year. They'll let Russ do his transition thing. I think Harden will be okay spotting up. And I think Russ will... He had such a bad shooting year last year, and I don't think he'll be that much better. But I think he'll be a little bit better, especially from the free throw line. And I think he'll be more willing to, you know, cut an offensive rebound, stuff like that. And then they have just so many reclamation projects that are... May not all work, but maybe one. I mean, they're trying out Anthony Bennett, Ben McLemore, and then those <laughs> old guys like Tyson Chandler. And then they plus, I mean, they got someone like Austin River, Gerald Green. They're going to shoot a thousand threes again. It's just like they intrigue me so much. And I, the Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, they're such different players. I believe that would work. This I'm more curious on, but it just. 
it's the two highest usage players in NBA history playing together, and I think that's just like a fascinating NBA experiment, especially with Mike D'Antoni. So just like I have to see how this looks. It's funny the the thought just came to my mind when you were mentioning all the the reclamation projects of you know does this team have the most top ten picks in the history of the league as far as an NBA roster? I mean Austin Rivers I think was the tenth pick. Ben Mclemore was a top ten. Tyson Chandler was a top ten. Uh, you know, obviously Harden and Westbrook were both top 10 picks. They've got top 10 picks all over this roster. Agreed. They have so many. Um, oh, and Anthony Bennett. I, I forgot to mention Anthony Bennett was number one overall. Yeah, I mean, and obviously he's one of the biggest busts ever, but he's getting another shot, so we'll see. Um, and sneaky young player who I kind of like is Daniel House. Kind of like him. Yeah, so... Um, I, I certainly, uh, I certainly can see the intrigue, and, and obviously, yeah, I'll be, um, despite the fact that I'm pretty confident I don't like the fit uh, with their two stars, uh, you know, I, I could be proven wrong, and and there is there is part of me that understands, like, yeah, Westbrook has been playing his whole career with uh, with no shooting on his teams, and now he's got plenty of shooting on this roster, so his drive game should be much more effective. But I always just go back to thinking, okay. Well, even if Westbrook is, you know, uh, even if Westbrook is super effective on this team as an offensive player, is that better than just giving James Harden the ball 50 times more a game? That's true, and hopefully it's still a little more Harden than Westbrook, and I think it will be. But, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see. That's why there, there's just so many questions. I'm like, what what is going to happen with this team? <laughs> Yeah. Um, another reason I'm lower on them, though, is the the broadcast. There's something about uh, Texas NBA teams, but they lead to very homerific broadcasts. Oh, that's true. There's is yeah. Uh, but yeah, so um, let's see. So yeah, I had Houston at 13. Who did you have in that spot? Uh, 13, I had Orlando, who we touched on. Okay, so let's move on now to uh, to your number 12. 12, another team we touched on, I had Indiana. Okay, so again, yeah, you're you're a lot higher on the Pacers, and, and I'm, I'm assuming that's a lot just due to uh, um, once Oladipo comes back. But uh, And yeah, they have, uh, I guess, with Houston, uh, the same with Houston, both of those teams have a lot of, uh, a lot of internal changes as well. Um, so yeah, it'll be, uh, that, the Pacers might be another team that I'll watch a little bit at the beginning and kind of fade away from. So moving on to my number 12, and this was the team that I actually, I believe, had number one last year and ended up being uh, a little bit too high based on how much I actually watched them, and that is the Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, wow. Again, I'm much higher on them. Okay, so obviously I think this team is going to be a playoff force. I think they, they, they could arguably be the greatest defense of all time when it's all said and done. You know, we were all talking about the Raptors and how dominant of a defense that was last year, but the Sixers defense has even more talent than that Raptors team did. Uh, so I have no doubt that they're going to be an elite defensive team. I just struggle with the offense, especially in the regular season, you know, they're still going to have the spacing issues with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I am not a believer in Ben Simmons' new jump shot. Um, and and they just don't have as many of the go-to options uh, on the offensive end running pick and rolls when, when they had Jimmy Butler last year. 
right, so Philly is another team that's fascinating. And mainly, I mean, defensively, you're right. I think they're going to be nasty and just really impossible to score on. I think they'll be the one seed in the East. I think Joel will be even better this year. I love the Horford signing, mainly because he could do backup five minutes, which the past few years the Sixers have just been killed in without Embiid. And now Horford can hold it down, plus play alongside him. I like Josh Richardson. I don't buy the Simmons jump shot either, especially I'll have to see it first. But I think he'll be better this year, too. I think he'll keep just adding something to his game. And they do need a little bit more depth, but I there's and you're right, Jimmy Butler kind of became their crunch guy, you know, point guard basically, and now he's gone. But I feel like they'll find ways to generate offense. Horf, they can play through Horford's passing. Simmons a good passer and Bede's passer. Uh, Richardson I think can make just enough shots. Tobias Harris can make as a secondary guy, and I think they're. They're going to be really good. I think it may be a, there'll be some experimenting at first, but I think they'll get better as the season goes on. And they're they're going to be a, just a pain to play against because they're just huge. And I think they'll just physically overwhelm teams. Yeah. So again, as I mentioned, I'm really high on on this team in the playoffs, but I'm I'm not as high as you in the regular season. I see them more in the in the. Th- the two to four seed range. I just think with with Horford and Embiid, you know, Embiid with all his knee issues and then Horford just uh, being up there in, in years, that they're going to sit both of those guys a decent amount of games. And I think that was the big thing with Horford is the fact that, and, and you, you, you touched on this, is the idea that when uh, if they have to sit Embiid, they were at a big disadvantage and, and were likely the underdogs in most games that Embiid didn't play, whereas that might not be the case anymore. But we may only see about half of their games where they're actually playing their full roster. Yeah, and obviously the Embiid health thing is always a question. And I wonder if more they limit just minutes versus games. That would be interesting. Um, and I do think they do need to make some, some bench. But I think they're a lock to make a small trade or hit the buyout market too to fill out their roster. All right, so let's move on now to to number 11, and at that spot, I had the Boston Celtics. We have another match. Okay, so uh, I guess I'll, I'll talk a little bit about why I have them at this spot. I mean, again, the I think they're going to be a solid basketball team. I, I think they're going to be in the high 40s to low 50s and wins. People are sleeping a little bit on, on Brad Stevens' ability to to uh, lift a, a team up a level when they're when they're not expected to be uh, really good, he's done that in the past. He did that with that uh, that team that uh, Isaiah Thomas led, where he had that MVP caliber season. Uh, to that team had no business winning 53 games. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if if Boston gets into the low 50s this year. And they've got a, a lot of young talent, not only the likes of of uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who I, I expect to take a leap. Uh, but uh, even their, their their young draft picks, Grant Williams I like. I like Carson Edwards uh, and uh, Romeo Lankford. Yes. Yeah, Romeo Lankford is another guy that uh, might get some time. He's an intriguing young player. Uh, so, so they've got a, a lot of young pieces that should be interesting. And I, I'm intrigued to see uh, Hayward. You know, I, I think... A lot of people were, were too quick to just basically say Hayward's done and they should trade him and all of this, whereas I think 
you know, now that he's had a, a full off season and, and now it's been a year and a half or so since his last surgery, I think there's a chance that Hayward uh, starts to look more like uh, the Hayward we saw in Utah. I agree. I think it was a two-year injury, and I think Hayward's going to bounce back and have a really nice year. It may not be two or three years ago Utah, but I think he'll be much better. Um, a lot of things I like, uh, obviously it hurt to lose my guy Kempa, but I still love watching him, and I think he'll be very good with Brad Stevens, and he'll definitely help the chemistry versus Kyrie. The questions are with both Brown and Tatum, can one of them take a substantial jump? Because I thought both of them actually regressed last year, right. especially in terms of hitting their threes. So I'm curious to see how both of them look. And then with Hayward, who's going to play the four, I think is interesting. Is Cantor going to start at five? Because then you're bad defensively at one and five with Kemba and Cantor. So is Robert Williams going to get involved? Daniel Tice? I did think Horford was a big loss. But I think this team will be a lot of fun to watch, and I agree with Brad Stevens. I think he'll get the most out of them. It's a big year for him. I still love watching Marcus Smart, and his energy is just awesome. Uh, it's a team, though, I like more in the regular season, but in the playoffs, I actually have some concerns. But I agree, upper 40s, low 50s, maybe even the three seed, and it sounds about right. <clears throat> Brian Scalabrini, as the, as the color man, he does some of the games that, uh, Tommy Heinsohn does others, but when uh, when Scal is doing it, the, he's he's really good. He he'll do some uh, uh, some dissecting of uh, of out of bounds plays or after timeout plays that are really fun to watch, uh, and and obviously the the court design is uh, is really great as well. A classic for sure. Yeah, we're moving on to the top ten now. As uh, you you mentioned uh, at number I believe twenty you had the Toronto Raptors and and that is the first team in my top ten is Toronto and and I'll just mention a few things that we didn't get to when we were talking about it on your list uh, you know even prior to the the Kawhi and and Danny Green acquisitions I really enjoyed watching the Toronto team play uh, they play a really fun style they they play at a fast pace you know Kyle Lowry. Uh, and, and Pascal Siakam love uh, to connect in, in transition opportunities. You know, they've got uh, some savvy basketball players in, in Lowry and Gasol. Their passing is really fun to watch. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they've they got a team with, with some young guys that you hopefully uh, can develop and, and show some things. Uh, I expect a decent season out of Norman Powell at the starting two spot. OG and Anobi after missing all of the their postseason run I'm really curious to see what he does in year three and and you know when you've got you know 48 minutes of quality point guard play and Lowry and Van Fleet you're typically going to be not only a competent basketball team throughout uh, the entirety of the game but uh, a enjoyable team to watch as well I definitely am intrigued about OG coming back good rookie year slumped a bit last year and got hurt so I'm interested to see how he looks for sure. Now uh, let's hear, Evan, who you've got as the start of your top ten. At number ten, the Los Angeles Lakers. Okay, so I'm a lot higher on the Lakers than you are, it seems. So I like them as a team. I think they'll be really good, but there's there's a lot of moving parts here. Uh, a weird roster, not a lot of wings or ball handlers, but they're really big. 
Uh, I think the LeBron-Anthony Davis will be one of the meanest pick-and-roll duos we've had in some time. And I think LeBron, after getting hurt and hearing all the doubt, I think he's going to have a nasty, just like, F.U. kind of year, which I'm excited to see. But how they put the rest of this roster together, what they get out of the Avery Bradley KCP group, I did like Danny Green signing, but Kuzma's hurt already, and how he fits with this team's interesting. Is AD willing to play the five? Is LeBron going to be their point guard? Um, I mean, hopefully, how much are they going to start Rondo or even Alex Caruso, who was solid on the year? Will they get anything from Dwight? And I thought Frank Vogel was an interesting hire. Uh, but I, they have potentially, I mean, like LeBron and AD alone can make them really good. It, it's more the moving parts and how they're used. I'm intrigued by, but I do think they'll be they're really good, and I think they are a legit title contender. Yeah, um, this is a, another team similar to Philadelphia, where I'm not as high on them as as a regular season team, but I definitely think they're 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 going to be extremely dangerous come postseason. But for yes. me, and as far as watchability, I mean, it doesn't get much better than LeBron James and Anthony Davis as the top two guys. Those guys are both incredibly enjoyable to watch. Uh, you know, you, you talk about the, the court design as well. Uh, you, you mentioned the Celtics being a classic court design. I think the Lakers are right there in that mix as well. I was, I was chatting with a, a friend of mine who uh, is, is really not into sports much at all, but we, we got onto the subject of, uh, of, of court design and that sort of thing, and, and he mentioned that, yeah, the, the Lakers court is the, is the court that he thinks of, that, that purple and gold when he thinks of NBA basketball. Agreed. Always classic unis. I love their their new purple ones too. Last year, and I I I love LeBron and Dave. I AD staying healthy for the year is huge. I hope that he does because when he is, he he's a monster. Yeah, and uh, as much as uh, you know, guys like Rondo and Caruso don't make for the greatest point guard position when it comes to competing for championships. I think both of those guys are entertaining players to watch. They're both really good passers, and and uh, that's that can be some of the most visually pleasing basketballs when you've when you've got a team that has a bunch of great passers and are really slinging the ball around. Agreed. I like Caruso. I think he's solid, underrated, sneaky athlete too. Well, yeah. I'll just mention that I have the Lakers all the way up at three. So, uh, um, okay. but uh, but yeah. So moving on now to uh, to my number nine, and and this was a team that, that you brought up, and that is the Milwaukee Bucks. So obviously, I agree with all of, of your concerns, and I and I definitely feel that maybe their their style of play, especially uh, on offense, can get a little bit monotonous uh, with with Giannis. Just uh, you know, basically rumbling down the lane and and uh, drawing in the defense and kicking out the threes. It's basically that that same formula over and over again. But but Giannis is fun to watch, and uh, I think just the fact that this team I know is going to be really good. And uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, when it comes to the second half of the season, that's kind of where I uh, start to gravitate towards is the good teams and those good matchups. Uh, because again, when, once the second half of the season comes around, you start to think more about, okay, how are these teams going to match up come playoff time? Agreed. And yeah, they'll definitely still be really good and love Giannis. It just, I'm more, 
I, I know what to expect with them, I guess. No, yeah, I, I, I totally get that. So uh, let's hear who you have then at number nine. The Utah Jazz. Okay, so uh, I've already said your number one. Now you have officially said my number one. Oh, uh, that's right. I knew you were a big jazz guy. Yes. Um, obviously, Quinn Snyder is an excellent coach who always gets the most out of his roster, especially an offensive limited one. And now they have some more firepower, and I am a humongous Mike Conley fan. Dude just gets it done as one of the craftiest point guards in the game. I think Mitchell will be even better in his third year, especially now that he doesn't have to do everything. They got some more shooting in Bogdanovich. Ed Davis, I thought, was a sneaky good backup. I think this team will be really good, especially in the regular season. Um, and I do think that they are a title contender. Home court's going to be huge for them. There are, there are a couple of questions in terms of wing defense, rebounding, and just bench punch in terms of scoring. But look, they're going to be a really good, tough out every single night for sure. And also, unis-wise, one of my favorites. Yes, uh, they they have some alternates that are really colorful, and then they'll even, uh, they'll even do the alternate court design as well with those jerseys, which is pretty neat. Um, and, and yeah, their, their broadcasting crew... Craig Bowlerjack and Matt Harpring, uh, you know, not one of the best, but I think they're they're solid. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, I'll I'll mention a few more things when we when we get uh, to to my number one when we eventually do that. So uh, let's move on now to to number eight, and this is where I had the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, I think a big part for me, uh, you know, again speaking to court design stuff, they, they uh, uh, Zach Lowe had an article where they uh, are going to be unveiling the first ever gray court this season. That's that's right. That is, I'm interested to see that. Yeah, the the uh, the initial photos that they showed looked really awesome. It's definitely an out of the box idea. I think it, uh, it it could work. Apparently, they they talked about uh, in in recent seasons even a, a black or an all black or an all white court, and apparently the NBA nixed those because it's not good for the cameras. Uh, but uh, the Greg passed the uh, the NBA test, so it's going through. And and I also love the the broadcast crew for the Nets, Ian Eagle and Sarah Kustak. I think they might be my favorite crew. Um, they're, they're not only neutral, but they're fun. Ian Eagle is, is one of the most humorous uh, broadcasters out there. Uh, and, and yeah, they, they just do a terrific job. That's a good They are my favorite broadcast duo, actually. Eagles, he's the man. Yes, uh, and, and he, does, uh, he does it all. He does NFL, he does tennis, he does uh, college sports as well. He does a little bit of everything. We, we talked a bunch about the, the on-court stuff that I like, but uh, yeah, let's move on to, uh, to your number eight. The Sacramento Kings. Okay, so we're pretty similar. I had the Kings at six. So, yeah, look, this is, I, to me, the most exciting backcourt in basketball. Uh, Darren Fox is awesome, and I think he'll be even better this year. He is lightning with the ball, the fastest I've seen since prime John Wall. And look, he's he's getting better on defense. He's a good passer. His shot's improving. He's just so much fun to watch. And then Buddy Heald's a legit 20-point scorer and one of the best shooters on heavy volume, and he's over 40% from three. These guys can fill it up, and they can light it up and put on a show. So offense. They're fun. 
I do, and I even like Bogdanovich, who they start sometimes, sometimes off the bench. I think he'll come off the bench. Had a good showing in the international tournament. They have some lineup questions. Off season, they went some veterans. They got Deadman. They got Ariza, which I didn't think was necessary, but I did like Deadman. And are they going to play Bagley more at the five, the four, Harrison Barnes on the four, the three? They saw Giles. They have some rotation lineup questions. They added they have, uh, Corey Joseph as well as back at backup point. That's right. They got Corey Joseph as well. New coach too with Luke Walton. So I'm let's see how it works. Uh, I think I like them more from entertainment, but I think they'll be around 500 again, and I don't think they'll make the playoffs. But yeah. it, it wouldn't really blow me. But I don't think they do. I, I agree with basically everything you said, and I love the comparison of, of De'Aaron Fox to, to John Wall. Uh, you know, they, they both love to push the basketball. They're both really good passers. And, and I think it's also interesting because, you know, you mentioned the backcourt in, in Fox and Heald. I think it's pretty similar in terms of, uh, you know, the excitement level that, that Wizards fans had when, when Wall and, uh, and Beal yeah. were, were coming up. And, and I actually think that this Sacramento roster has a little bit more talent around those two uh, with all those guys you already mentioned. So this team, they've got a ton of young talent. They're already, they've proven that they're a solid basketball team. I think they're going to get better, even if that doesn't necessarily show up in the wins and losses. The Western Conference just is better as a whole, so a lot of teams might appear to stagnate, but in actuality be a better basketball team. I think that very much could be the case with the Kings this year. You know, last year when we did this, I had them number 26, and that ended up being way too low. Uh, I ended up watching them quite a bit. They were really fun. Uh, and, you know, Doug Christie, the new uh, the new color guy, has, has uh, shown to be solid in that role. Yeah, honestly, last year was the first time I watched them regularly in, like, ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like at least five to six years, they've been like the most brutal watch. But then last year, it's like, oh my god, this is so much fun. Yeah, we might, we both might be too young to uh, to have been watching the NBA regularly back for the 2002 Sacramento yeah. Kings when they were last good. The web days. <laughs> right, um, but yeah, I, I love that call. I, I'm definitely going to be watching a lot of Sacramento. They are really fun. And again, we we talked about this before we recorded that uh, both of our lists, lists, especially at the top, were going to be very Western Conference heavy. And uh, I think that also adds to it when, you know, the, the fact that there are like 13 legitimate teams in the Western Conference, and some would argue 14, depending on how high you are on Phoenix, um, that, uh, that every night there's going to be an interesting matchup in that conference. Agreed. It's and that's why I'm so excited for the season as a whole, well, especially in the West. Every game is going to matter. Every team should be at least remotely competitive. It's it's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be brutal. Yeah. So uh, moving on now to my number seven, and I have the Golden State Warriors. Okay, we're close. Yeah, I have them at five. Okay. So um, obviously, they're not going to be as good. Uh, the you know. The fact that basically the last couple of years you knew that two of like Steph, Clay, Durant, or Green were going to be on the floor made them an absolute joy to watch. Uh, they're, they're not going to be as good. The fact that Clay Thompson's going to miss the, the vast majority of the season hurts this ranking a little bit. But at the same time, 
I love the idea of Steph Curry having to go nuts every night for this team to compete and win games. Absolutely. And I love, for the first time in years, they have to take the regular season seriously. Yes, especially Draymond Green. Yeah, Draymond can't wait to get in shape for the playoffs. He needs to have it by opening night. And those two are going to need to play heavy minutes every night. And, look, Curry can lead the league in scoring this year. Wouldn't surprise me. He could, He's going to have, and I'm very excited to watch that and him and Draymond carry it. Obviously, no clay. But I actually think D'Angelo Russell will work on this team because he can shoot. The question is just their depth and, like, who is starting on the wing? Like, who is their small forward? I mean, that's concerning. But I think Draymond and Curry are so good and Steve Curry coach just alone that they will still make the playoffs and then they'll be super entertaining to watch. Yeah, I, I'm i a little bit more skeptical on the playoffs than most. I think, um, you know, I, I definitely agree that if Steph and Draymond are healthy and play 75 games each, they're a lock. You're right. I mean, you're right. They're, if Curry misses even like 10 games with an ankle, they could be done. Yeah, I mean they could they could realistically go zero and ten in those ten games. I mean that's how that's how brutal the depth is, as you mentioned, and also the defense. I mean, outside of Draymond Green and Kavon Looney, who are the defenders on this team? Agreed, especially on the perimeter. Uh, so they're they're going to be in some crazy shootouts. Yeah, and Willie Cauley Stein apparently is going to miss the start of the season and maybe the whole month of October, if not more. So that's another concern as far as the depth. So yeah, it's to me it's a little bit more debatable. I have them right now around like the six to eight seed in the Western Conference, and and that's assuming reasonable health. Uh, yeah, if if either Green or Curry have a bad injury that keeps them out twenty plus games, it could be over and it could be over quick. It definitely could. I have them 6-8 to eight range, too, but that is definitely all health-dependent because you're right. If one of them go down, it's they're probably done. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do love the uh, the call-out of Steph maybe winning a, a scoring title, and, and, yeah, it wouldn't shock me. If, if everything goes right, they stay healthy and they win 50-plus games, uh, I, I, would, uh, I would put a lot of money down on Steph winning MVP. He has a shot for sure. Absolutely. All right, so who do you have now at, uh, at your number seven? The Dallas Mavericks. Okay, so uh, we're pretty close. Uh, I think we just we just flipped the Mavericks and Warriors. I have Dallas at five. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I'm a little higher on Dallas than most this year, and obviously they're very health-dependent with Kristaps Porzingis. But I like he took longer than necessary to get back. He'll be fully healthy. And in terms of complementary pieces, I think his game with Luka's game fits just perfectly. He can protect the rim on defense. He could stretch the floor for Luka, a great pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop partner. They could do it all together. And Luka, I've seen, I think he'll even be better this year. I love He'll be in better shape. Obviously, really good shooter. He's our will be their de facto point guard. And then, sneaky good addition I like is DeLon Wright who I think can, can play alongside Luka and carry the offense when Luka rests. DeLon played some pretty good basketball in Memphis when he was there in the second half of the season. And then Rick Carlisle always just gets solid bench units out of the Dwight Powell's, the Finney Smith, who's a good defender. They get a 
J.J. Barea, who somehow is still useful at 40 years old and, like, four <laughs> feet tall. But that dude, he can, he's, like, he's still really good. Obviously, he's coming off a serious injury, so we'll see. But he still gets buckets. So, yeah, yeah J- JJ, uh, JJ. Last year, I, I I heard a stat that uh, the Mavericks only won thirty three games last year, but in the games JJ Barea played, they went uh, sixteen and eighteen, so nearly five hundred. Yeah, every time I watch him, he just like kills teams. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little nifty passing. Um, so yeah, and they've got their. They have a bunch of solid players who I think all fit the well. And again, I like Rick Carlisle's coach. And if KP's healthy, this team has, I think, a real shot at the eighth seed. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, the the what photos I've seen of Doncic, he looks trimmed down a little bit, which I think should help him immensely. Uh, poor Zingas looks ripped from the photos that I've seen. Um, and, and people are, you know, people are really concerned about Porzingis and coming back from the ACL, but it's been a year and a half since that injury. So he's had plenty of time to recover. He's also had time to be in Dallas and and in that, within that organization to, to understand plays. And so it's not as, uh, it's, it's not as much of a new addition. I guess I should say all of the, the negatives from a new addition in terms of chemistry and, and uh, and all of that, I don't think should be too big of an issue. So yeah, I really like the, the their top two. And when you have two guys that are, you know, around top thirty, both are around top thirty players in the NBA. I think you're going to be competitive night to night. I agree. I'm I'm very excited to watch them. Very excited. All right, let's hear who you have. Uh, I I had Sacramento at number six. Who do you have at that spot? Six-sided team we touched on, the New Orleans Pelicans. Okay, right, yes. So, And then at five, you had the Warriors and I had the Mavericks. So now we're down to our top four. And at number four, I have the Denver Nuggets. I have them at three, but very close. Okay, so um, the it was interesting. You know, I, I think I had Denver at around seven last year. I had them pretty high. Uh, but I didn't end up watching them nearly as much as I should have, in large part because, you know, I, I get in my head when a team has a bunch of injuries and, you know, they, they were dealing with issues with Gary Harris and uh, Will Barton. And, you know, part of me wants to say, oh, well, just just watch them once they're healthy so you can see them at full strength. And uh, the problem with that for the Denver Nuggets last year is it took about two-thirds of the season before they finally got everyone back healthy. So um, this year I'm going to uh, to avoid do, using that same logic. You know, as long as Jokic is out there, I'm going to watch this team and I'm going to watch them a lot. Uh, watching them in the playoffs was was real fun. Uh, and, and yeah, I think they're going to be an excellent team. And, and I wouldn't be shocked if this team uh, is even a little bit better this year just given that they've got a bunch of young players that are going to improve. I agree. The Nuggets are a blast to watch, and Jokic may be my favorite player to watch. I know they had a disappointing Game 7 loss at home to Portland, but Jokic was a beast in the playoffs. He averaged like 25-13-8. It was ridiculous. Yes. And I think he's even, even better this year. And hopefully they, Jamal Murray takes another step. Hopefully Will Barton and Gary Harris are healthier. That really hurt him last year. I also love the... Tr- the trade of getting Grant from OKC. I do too. 
he's a great fit. He's super athletic. He'll help their defense. And he'll get so many buckets just off cutting with Jokic. And then, of course, they have the intriguing Michael Porter Jr., who we'll see. We haven't seen him yet, but if they get something from him, it could really be dangerous. And lastly, they're my dream Bradley Beal team. Yeah, it's uh, that that has been the, the the Nuggets have been the number one team in the rumor mill to acquire Bradley Beal because they they have the players to do so. You know, in the likes of Malik Beasley and Gary Harris and some of those young players, uh, including Porter Jr. You mentioned. Um, so yeah, that it would be interesting. It's one of those where I'm I'm a little skeptical because if they have to give away, you know, if they have to do Harris Beasley. And like multiple future firsts, I don't know if that really vaults them into title contender status because they're still a team to me that uh, has a weakness at the small forward position. And, uh, you know, as good as Bradley Beal is, you know, Gary Harris and Malik Beasley, both of them, I think, are solid starting twos. They're both solid, and it's definitely a deal they have to be careful with in terms of giving away too much. But if they can, you know, in terms of maybe give more picks than players, I, I would definitely look into it because I think Beal and Jokic would be would be pretty filthy. But you're right, they, they can't give away, you know, too much. Yeah, and I definitely, you know, in their playoff in the playoff run last year, there there were times where you could tell that the team could just use another shot creator. You know, I think they were a little bit too reliant on Jamal Murray, uh, even though he had some some really high highs. He also had some pretty awful games in there as well. Um, so certainly, I agree that Beal would make them a better basketball team, no doubt. You want to hear a quick fun trade? Yes. Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., and Juan Herta Gomez, who's all right, and let's say a two first. Would you do that if you're Washington and Denver? So that so Denver's able to keep Beasley then. Um, yeah, you keep Beasley. So you don't lose much depth, and as much as I like Wancho, they they don't play him, and the Jeremy Grant acquisition makes him even less playable or even further down in the rotation. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like that. Um, yeah, I, I would do that if I'm Denver. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the question is, is that enough for Washington? I mean, you get, uh, you know, two solid young players. I guess a lot of it would depend on how much they like Hernan Gomez. Right, true. That's that's an interesting one. Well, yeah, uh, it'll, be, it'll be fascinating to see. And again... I think uh, both of us, uh, as we mentioned in the Wizards portion, that we would like to see Beal on a better basketball team. Uh, yes, I would love him on Denver. <laughs> All right, so uh, who do you have at your number four spot? Four of the Clippers. Okay, so uh, yeah, I have the Clippers actually as my number two, so I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Look, uh... When Paul George comes back healthy from the shoulder injury, they, with Kawhi and Pat Beverly, they could have some of the meanest perimeter defense we've seen in some time. I love Paul George. He may be my favorite player. He was outstanding last year before the shoulder injury. A legit MVP candidate. Um, can play on and off the ball. A ferocious defender, a good passer, a really good shooter. And then Kawhi may be the best player in the league. So they're that's beast. 
And then if that's not enough, they have the funnest pick-and-roll duo in the world off the bench with Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell. And Lou Williams is just a walking bucket, and Harrell is a beast who just dunks everything. And look, so they're pretty deep. They may need one more ball handler, one more big. Um, they got Jermichael Green back, who I liked, who actually was solid for them in the playoffs as a small ball five. Another good young player they have in Shamit, who I think will be even better. This team is going to be really good. It may take some time for George to get healthy, but I think once they hit their stride, they are going to just be a force. It's funny, you know, I mentioned when we were talking about the Atlanta Hawks that uh, you know, for this year, I'm probably going to watch the starters minutes and then turn the channel when the bench comes on the floor. Last year with the Clippers, it was the inverse of that. You know, I didn't yes. I didn't enjoy watching the starting lineup, you know, with Avery Bradley and Gortat out there. Uh, but then as soon as that, as you mentioned, the Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell units came in, they were an absolute joy to watch. Uh, but this year, I think, you know, you've, you've still got that bench unit that's going to be fun. But then I think the starters, you know, with Kawhi and Paul George, uh, even if uh, even if those guys um, each play 60 games, you know, their starting lineups are going to be or, or, or really fun to watch. And, and again, this team is going to vault into legit uh, title contention this year with those acquisitions, uh, two top 10 players in, in Leonard and George. So they're definitely a team that, uh, that I'm really high on and, and really am excited to see. You know, unlike the the fit with uh, the Houston Rockets with, with Westbrook and Harden. I actually love the fit of, uh, of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So, yeah, I am fascinated to watch this team. I agree completely. I love the fit. I think they're just going to be so in just intense and mean on defense, and then they both can really shoot. They're both just good enough passers. They can get to the cup. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch once they hit their stride. And yeah, you're right. I, I'm not sure if they'll get the one seed, but right now they're, I'm leaning towards them making the finals in the West. Yeah, and uh, I have them as the, the championship favorites as well, um, even though uh, I think the Bucks and, and a few other teams and even the Lakers have a, have a case. But uh, yeah, moving on to, to number three, I had the Lakers in this spot and you had the Nuggets. So uh, now we're down to the final two. Who did you have at number two, Evan? I had Philly. Okay, yeah. So uh, talk a little bit more. You know, we, we briefly discussed them a little bit earlier, but talk a little bit more just in terms of why you find why you expect this to be such an enjoyable watch. I think they're just a fascinating experiment. They just they go they pick size and talent over fit, and which is a lot of contrary to a lot of NBA teams, but it seems to work for them because so many teams just cannot handle their size and physicality. And Ben Simmons, I find endlessly fascinating. The jump shot thing, look, I think if he gets solid from the free throw line and even a decent mid-range jumper, that's enough because he does so many other things so well. And Joel's reportedly lost 20 pounds. I think he'll be in shape. I think he'll finally get the diet serious, and I think that'll be huge. I love Josh Richardson. He's a tenacious player, especially defensively, and I think he'll be just good enough offensively. And look, even off the bench, some guys play well for them in the playoffs. I know I said it's been an issue, but Mike Scott's a good shooter. James Ennis was even solid. I like their rookie from Washington. 
So I think this is just going to be a really neat physical, and I, I still enjoy watching those kind of defensive teams. I get it. You know, as you mentioned, I, I love the Utah Jazz, and, and yeah, watching a team really execute on defense can still be really enjoyable. And, and yeah, I totally get it from a uh, just a X's and O's standpoint, Brett Brown trying to come up with different uh, sets and, and uh, ATOs that, that gets his team enough offense with, with the lack of spacing and, and the, the questionable fit with Simmons and Embiid I think is interesting. Um, and, and yeah, they're, they're obviously going to be a monster defensively. And, and, and I totally agree that Joel Embiid is one of the most enjoyable players to watch when he's out there at his best. Uh, there was a game last season. It was probably my favorite game to watch the whole year. It was, uh, I think it was a game in early April between the, the Bucks and the Sixers where Giannis, I think, scored 40-plus and Embiid had a 34-point triple-double um, you know, he is just such a fascinating player when he's got it going on the block and on the perimeter, and also his just rim protection is dominant at times. He is certainly a, a, a one of the more enjoyable players. I agree. He's so much fun to watch. Uh, him and Giannis are the two most physically dominating players in the game, so love. I just love watching him just dunk over everyone. Yeah, so uh, moving on now to uh, to my number two was, we already talked about it a little bit, which is the uh, the Clippers. Um, so now we're down to number one, and we've, uh, uh, we've ruined the surprise because we know what each of our number ones are, but I thought we'd talk about each of them a little bit more. Um, my number one was the Utah Jazz, and, you know, we... Uh, we talked about, uh, and you mentioned that they, they've got more firepower offensively, and and that's the big thing for me is that the team has always been, even though they haven't been a great offense over the last couple of years, Quinn Snyder's system with all of the dribble handoffs, the pick and rolls, um, you know, is is still just a pleasurable offense to watch. And now they've actually got the likes of Conley and Bogdanovich to pair with with uh, the shot creator and Mitchell to to really fully uh, realize what this offense can be. And uh, I think Rudy Gobert even rolling down the lane is going to be a lot more effective because of the extra spacing. Um, They're going to be a, uh, I have them being even a top 10 offense. And then also defensively, I think it's going to be really fascinating to see, okay, this is going to be the first really huge test for Gobert and his defensive value because you've taken favors out of this team who was also a key part of why they were a great defense. And now you're really going to see, okay, can Gobert continue to keep this team in a, at a top five defensive level? Agreed. I No, I'm high on them too, especially their coach. And now they have some more offensive firepower to match their system that always at least works in the regular season. And they should still maintain a defensive team. So, yeah, I think they're likely to be top ten in both for sure. And right now... I. They're probably my second or, I think they're around two, three seed in the West, I would say. Yeah, I'm really high on their regular season. And and you know what? I think I'm higher on their playoff potential as well, like if everything goes right. I kind of like their bench with the likes of Ed Davis and Jeff Green and, and Royce O'Neal. And, you know, Donovan Mitchell, this is, uh, you know, if, if he's going to become like a superstar level player, I think you would you would expect to see a leap in year three. So if, if that happens, 
you know, who knows? This team could vault into that category of being a legit contender. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of things would have to hit, but they, they for sure have the, the potential. Um, so your number one was the Houston Rockets, and I thought we'd talk a little bit more about them. And, and again, I had them, maybe maybe looking back, I had them a little bit too low at 13 because I do find James Harden to be such a joy to watch. You know, a lot of people find it a little bit monotonous, but uh, I find his play, his passing, his step-back three ability, his ball handling, he's just so skilled and so crafty. I really enjoy watching him play. Perhaps this is just my bias against Russell Westbrook. Not only do I value him just as a basketball player lower than most, but in terms of actually just watching him play, I don't find Westbrook as entertaining as uh, as the average fan does. I agree. I'm lower on Westbrook, and I love Harden. But I'm just intrigued to see Westbrook in a new environment. And look, maybe he doesn't adjust, and it's same old Russ, but... You know, there's there's a chance he does, and he maybe kind of remakes himself a little bit. And I think that's just such an interesting possibility at this point in his career. And I think if there's one guy to bring it out of him, it's Harden, who he has a relationship with, played with before, and a creative offensive mind in D'Antoni. So there's humongous question marks with this team, but I do think there's a universe. Again, I'm more higher the regular season than the playoffs, but I think... I think they'll be good in the regular season for sure. I think high 50s and maybe even 60s possible. Yeah, I love your point about Westbrook being not only on a new team, but in a really new system and new style. Uh, and, you know, it's not only, you know, it's it's one thing, you know, you look at a guy like Tim Duncan who played his whole career in San Antonio, but he played with a lot of different players and even teams that played a different way. You know, in, in his early years, you know, they played a very post-up heavy offense, and then later on they were much more pick-and-roll heavy. Whereas Oklahoma City, it really has just always been the exact same thing. It's been give Russell Westbrook the ball, have him run it down defense's throats, and ha- give him zero shooting to work with. That's been the story his entire career. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see him not only in a new offensive system, but with completely different personnel. Absolutely, and especially the shooting part, I think, is, is huge for him. Well, we've gotten through all 30 teams, Evan, and uh, um, before we, we end, I just wanted to ask you if um, just some general thoughts you had about this upcoming season and uh, and League Pass as a whole. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess it shifted more from just win-loss record to just entertainment. You know, because there's some bad teams I enjoy watching, and there's some good teams I, I kind of don't. Usually they are pretty good, but it's not change. But overall in the season, I'm, I'm stoked. It's more wide open than I can ever remember it. I think for, I mean, past, I mean especially the Warriors era, we knew who was at least going to be in the finals and likely who was going to win it, especially with Durant. And now... There's several teams who I think have a shot, and we touch at the trade deadline. I think that will force teams to be more aggressive if they think they're one piece away. And just every game is going to matter, especially in the West. So I think it will be a highly competitive year. So 
Yes, I do think the, the fact that this league has really gone from a, te- a league that had a bunch of big threes to now a bunch of big twos, you know, teams with two yes. stars, has made it more open. It's made every team feel like they have a shot. And you're right that that will probably lead to more teams buying at the deadline. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you. It's going to be fascinating. The Western Conference, uh, you know, if, if I had to put a if I had to put a, a percentage on it, I'm probably going to be watching 70% Western Conference, 30% Eastern Conference. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, yeah, the league pass is going to be worth every penny this year, I expect. There's, there's a lot of talent in this league. And, Evan, this has been a, a whole lot of fun, and uh, thank you so much for taking the time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can uh, you can subscribe to the program on iTunes. If you can leave a, uh, a rating and review, that would be greatly appreciated as well. Uh, the show is also now on Spotify. Uh, if you can uh, give the show a follow, again, a rating on there, uh, that uh, that really helps a lot. If uh, if you've got any uh, questions or comments or uh, or ideas for uh, for future episodes, uh, you can contact me. Uh, on Twitter, at Garrett Bouguet, and also uh, my email is g-bouguet at onu.edu. So uh, feel free to, uh, to uh, give me any of your uh, ideas. I, I love to hear from, uh, from the people listening to the program, and uh, enjoy the next week of the NBA calendar, and uh, have a great rest of your day. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or. House cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.